0: Welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. They let me come back. They tried to get rid of me last episode, but I came back. So I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winton.
1: Good day.
0: And Cameron Spann.
1: Good day as well.
0: We got a repeat guest on this episode. A repeat
2: guest and a repeat topic, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a two for episode. We've got repeating about Broadway. And before you go, oh, I've already heard this. I don't want the Bullcast team to sing again. This (laughs) one is going a little different direction. So first off, the repeat guest is Kiki Winsett, which is Court's daughter. Mm -hmm. We had her on here and she was talking about, you know, adulting and living in New York and trying to just figure out how to live life, essentially. You're out of college and you're into the adult world. How do you deal with that?
2: I think there was a little bit of
1: questions you need to know, but you don't want to ask. Kind yeah. of Life and in the big city as a yeah. 20-something.
0: And so obviously, uh, Katie lives in New York, and she is a big Broadway fan and a huge Bullcast fan. She's one of our biggest fans for sure. When she heard we did the Broadway episode, she was very upset with us that we did not bring her on because she is Miss Broadway. And so we thought, okay, let's do another Broadway episode. But I'm going to kind of challenge Kiki on this one, because I want her to kind of tell us later on in the episode about her experience, because not only is she just a theater goer, she is very inundated in the theater element of New York in essence of helping with shows putting on her own shows, ushering with shows trying to get tickets. So she really knows every aspect of the Broadway world. So
2: basically you're telling Keiki that she should expound upon her own life experiences? I'm telling you, this is a very slippery slope, Katie. We want to be very careful how much rope we give Keiki. She'll
1: hang us.
0: Well we give you a lot of rope to talk on court, so it's time to give your daughter some time.
1: She loves show she's our show girl. Not our show girl, but like our show girl. Okay. We're done here. Okay. I think she's on the line, right? She
0: is, you there? Yes. Hello. (laughs) Are we making you
3: blush? Um, a little. I I definitely appreciate the show space girl attribute.
2: (laughs) Show space girl. Yeah, I was wondering how you felt about the the moniker Miss Broadway, I think was what Katie called you.
0: Oh, that made my heart swell. (laughs) Good. Very good. Okie dokie. With the list this time, we've got the 10 most expensive Broadway musicals ever produced as of 2019. And then uh, apparently we've got some bonus because we don't play by the rules around here. We don't do just 10. We've got 11 and 12, apparently.
2: Well, I know one of these shows was around in 2019, and for some reason it didn't make it on the list. I'm not sure what happened there, but then the other one that I added in, I added in because it is really, as far as I know, the second most expensive production ever, but it's not a musical. So Why don't it, you
0: go ahead and tell us that one?
2: Okay. It's Harry Potter and the <laughs> Cursed Child.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well the one before that then would have been Spider-Man. $75 million. Investors lost 60 million and several claim to have never been paid back.
2: Yeah, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was actually the second one on the list. Even though it was not a musical, it cost $68.5 million to produce. Now, uh, caveat, that included a $35 million capitalization, and the rest of the money in that budget went toward completely renovating the theater that it was in. Like, one of the things that the producers asked the theater owner to do was to completely remodel the theater. So, pretty much half that budget was just on theater remodeling, but they counted it in the Harry Potter budget.
1: Okay, next one is King Kong, $35 million. Yeah, and that's the
2: one that made the list that made it the list because of me. That it was out in 2018, I know, but for some reason it didn't. Uh, it didn't make this list. In did 30...
0: King Kong sing?
2: It was a musical. I checked. I double checked.
0: Like I'm kind of picturing, you know, like the monster in Young Frankenstein that's got the top hat and he's singing with his cane and tux on. Like, did King Kong just start like singing?
2: Apparently, the, the part of the cost was the giant King Kong puppet that they had. They had an enormous King Kong puppet on the stage, which just fascinates me. Yeah.
0: This next one doesn't surprise me at all The Lion King, 27.5 million, first Broadway musical to gross 1 billion. Um, I think we said last time, this is such a big show. I know when they bring it in, there's a lot of theaters that it wasn't big enough to bring these shows in. So that doesn't surprise me about how expensive it was.
2: Okay, so next on the list is Shrek the Musical. It is 25 million to produce, very successful overseas, but did not perform well in New York City. Keiki, what do you think of Shrek the Musical?
3: I think it's one of the best shows ever. It's a cult classic in my opinion. So. It shocked me that it didn't do well in New York because it actually got filmed. And the filmed stage production, similar to what Disney Plus did with Hamilton, is what made a lot of people fall in love with it. And it's gotta be one of the most done school musicals now. I mean, I've seen 75,000 productions. Where,
2: where can you see this filmed version? It's not on Disney Plus.
3: It is on Netflix. Netflix. Or at least oh. it was. Okay.
1: Another Disney spectacular, Frozen, $25 million. Now this is the highest budget Disney production, made up to $1.2 billion since the movie was released in 2013. So Lion King was the highest grossing. Frozen is the most expensive Disney production.
0: Pretty sure in those budget meetings they just said, let it go. put <clears throat> a <laughs> Into okay, the sorry. unknown. That was bad. <laughs> Spongebob. <laughs>
1: No, Keiki
2: may may fight you on that.
0: 18 million. Critics loved this show, but the public didn't, which is an opinion because I've heard many great things about this show. (laughs) I, I, I was in that weird era where like, i didn't watch spongebob like i think i was old enough that it was annoying to me but i think Keiki, it was it was a big show for your age group right
3: yes my dad actually had us watching spongebob because it was one of the few our age shows he could tolerate so i grew up on spongebob and i actually was in new york for two days when the musical was on broadway and i saw it and i loved it it has a star-studded cast of Both actors and composers—they—they brought in a lot of very famous people to write the music for it. I believe John Legend was in on it, Sarah Bareilles, and I—fun fact—won a bet because I said *SpongeBob*
0: won a Tony, and it did. I, I did not know that Spongebob won a Tony. That's incredible.
1: Katie, we are the same age, and I watched Spongebob when it first came out. Maybe that means I'm just very uh, well, childish.
0: I mean, my best friend Paige was loved Spongebob and had Patrick shoelaces and stuff like that. I think I just didn't like it, maybe.
2: Well, Keiki knows that there's one actual Spongebob episode that practically brings me to tears every time I see it. It's an amazing episode. We'll have to talk offline about that <laughs> one. I am curious. Okay. <laughs> okay, so next on the list is Beauty and the Beast. I'm not gonna say anything about this one, Cameron. One. What's
1: next? Next on the list, oh, I think you guys have heard of this, Wicked. 16.9 million dollars. Honestly, that budget surprises me. Yeah. But cool, cool. Same here. First Broadway production to gross three million dollars in one week. Wow.
0: My favorite thing about Wicked, and I may have said this before, is I loved that uh, in the Emerald City, the girl had green point shoes because when I was dancing, colored point shoes was very rare, and you only saw like a couple of colors maybe, and so I actually spray painted mine black for a Fosse routine so when I saw green emerald green point shoes I was like oh it's a beautiful I've got to have those yes I it. word that. on the
1: street is they've begun casting for the wicked movie yes <laughs> I heard that
0: okay uh the little mermaid 15 million arrived on Broadway in 07 closed in 08 yeah oh.
2: it was a blip I don't even I didn't even know it was a, a Broadway show
0: I mean that's got such great music though <laughs> But sometimes movies going to then plays do not always translate well.
2: Yeah, I guess I don't know.
0: And it did try to use rollerblades, which is
3: just a concept that doesn't. It typically should have go died up.
2: with that Andrew Lloyd Webber play, whatever that one was. It just, Starlight Express. Yeah, expects. they should have. After after that little experiment, they should have gone. You know what? Maybe <laughs> maybe no more skates on stage.
1: So they shouldn't have a Sonic drive through the musical. <laughs>
2: just
1: saying. They, they yeah. should tip your Sonic girl.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: The next one is
2: a bummer for me. It's called Tarzan and it was $14 million and I assume it was another Disney play. Although I don't that know that for sure. Would that be with sure.
0: Phil Collins' music?
1: I, I don't know. We I would mean, hope so. I never saw it. Because um,
0: Trashing the Camp Scene song is still like one of my absolute favorites. I, I only was,
1: saw that movie once. I'm assuming because there's no note of Disney, it's not the Disney version of Tarzan. So no Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could be wrong. It
0: actually is the Disney version. Ah,
1: yeah. there it is. Boom. Um, it, it did
0: not do very well. So that's why Disney doesn't quote it as much. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh no, it's not <laughs> it ours
1: The redheaded stepchild. Am I wrapping up the list here? You are no. right. I've never heard of this one. Dance of the Vampire, $12 million. I mean, just the fact that it's got vampire in the title makes me want to see it. Because I do love vampire stuff, but I have not ever heard of it. I haven't either. This is interesting. Closed after 56 performances, but found success in other countries. I I see a lot of
2: shows on this list that are claiming to have found success in other countries. I wonder what that means exactly.
0: And this may already be in the outline, another spot, but I want to kind of make this note that maybe Miss Broadway Keiki can say something about this because those that don't understand, oh, you hear a show closed, but it doesn't mean that you can't see it ever because there still could be tours. It still could come to your town. It could still, as you said with Shrek, can show up in high school plays. But Heiki, you want to kind of say the difference of closing on Broadway? Yeah, of course. Closing on Broadway
3: just means that it has stopped performing in the Broadway theater that it was residing in. So for example, in February of 2023, Phantom of the Opera is closing on Broadway. And that definitely does not mean It is gone forever. There's no way to see it. It just means that it will no longer be at the Majestic Theater. There's still a tour going on. I believe there's workshop performances of it happening all over the world. It could pop back up on the West End. It could go to Off-Broadway, which is a smaller theater in New York. Shows run doesn't end just because they close on Broadway. It just means that they've essentially been kicked out of the
0: theater that they were living in. So sad, but you no longer can be on Broadway. Go do something else. Find another
1: home. (laughs) Homeless musicals. (laughs)
0: Yes. Also, Legally Blonde is on here. Nicole wanted us to give a shout out for that. She said it was a financial failure, but it's a cult classic and one of her favorites.
3: Shocks me at being a financial failure because it also had a filmed stage version that made me fall in love with it.
2: Where did you see
3: that? It was on MTV. I watched it on YouTube. Ah. Um, Just a little bootleg, but it's another one. Very popular with colleges, very popular with high schools kind of has, like, a life of its own in the community theater world.
0: I love Lily Blonde movies, but I have not actually seen this show yet, so I and need to check it out.
2: Bank, you mentioned already that uh, you, the uh, Phantom of the Opera is just about to close. It's closing in 2023. It will close as the longest running show on Broadway, a feat that it actually accomplished back in 2006. So, I guess every single day, year, week that it's run since 2006, it's just been adding to its record?
1: Should we place bets on what the the next record breaker will be. I would assume Lion King. I I don't see that going anywhere. It's been running since the nineties. Yeah,
3: probably not. Lion King's probably the next best bet because Disney has the money to keep it going. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, this next line on this outline, um, when I first read it, it, I think this plays into maybe theater jargon because it says, does stunt casting actually work? And in my mind, I'm thinking of a stunt double. I'm not thinking of what this is, which it says stunt casting. The casting of a very famous actor or other celebrity as a guest star in a movie, TV, or Broadway show to garner publicity. And so, I mean, that's I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when I hear stunt casting, I'm like, you mean you're a stunt double?
2: I know what they they're referring to as stunt casting, but. I think of stunt casting a lot more with Broadway plays mm-hmm. than I do with Broadway musicals, and I think Keiki would probably disagree with me on that. But a lot of the names that she'll throw at you as stunt casting, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know who that person is. So, like for instance, when Denzel Washington is in a play on Broadway, I'm like, oh, stunt casting. But um,
0: I didn't know it was called that. But I know that uh, when I had my crazy 24 hours in New York a couple months ago. I was kind of looking at who are the big names on Broadway right now because I wasn't sure on necessarily which show I wanted to see, but it was kind of which actor do I want to see in a show, if that makes sense. Because I think a lot of times that does drive it.
2: From your perspective, it it does work because it it drew you to a particular show.
0: I wanted to see Plaza Suite with SJP and Matthew Broder. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to see their understudies. and. I know on this list was, uh, we talk about Chicago. Chicago's famous for that with Roxy. And um, on this list, it's got Pam Anderson and Erica Jane. I actually saw Chicago and it was Brandy was playing Roxy. And so I think Roxy just must be a popular one that they're able to sell to female actresses. Hey, you want to come play Roxy on Broadway for a little bit?
2: Cake, what's your favorite stunt casting?
0: I love so many of them. I think, okay, so anytime
3: Daniel Radcliffe gets stunt cast, it's my favorite thing in the entire world, and I will go see it no matter what. But I think my favorite example of it is Waitress. They are the queens, or they were when they were on Broadway, queens of stunt casting. Just everyone in that show had a chance to be stunt cast eventually. Like Jenna just kept rolling through celebrities. Todrick Hall was in it for a little bit in a role that was quite miscast, but that's fine. (laughs) Just that one and Kinky Boots, both, they really clung to their Broadway time by stunt casting through the end.
2: Now, would you consider, I mean, because they're such showmen and they're so well known, not just for like big screen movies or tv shows but they're also well known for being broadway stars would you consider somebody like neil patrick harris or a hugh jackman a stunt casting or are they just you know they're broadway stars and they also happen to be movie star and tv stars
3: yeah i think that is more it depends on the show so hugh jackman definitely a stunt cast in music man because music man is not really his wheelhouse like Mm. i think if a casting director saw Hugh Jackman and didn't know anything about him, he would not cast him in Music Man in the lead role. But because he's Hugh Jackman, he got it. Whereas, like, Neil Patrick Harris is the baker. It makes a little more sense. It kind of plays a little more into his wheelhouse. So it gets a little murky there because some of these people... I mean, a lot of them are fantastic singers, actors, etc., and they got their start on Broadway. But it's when they get shoehorned into a role that you're like, that doesn't really work for you, but you're famous. So...
1: Okay. Speaking of Hugh Jackman, I am shocked that there is not a Greatest Showman Broadway musical, right? It's in the works. It's in the works. Okay. I mean, it's. (laughs) See, I
0: know she's Miss Broadway. Everybody
1: knows the songs from the movie, and I'm like,
0: why is this not
1: on stage? Mm.
0: Well, I mean, I did see Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster recently in Music Man, and and it was incredible, but I I do agree that it wasn't until the very end. when, you know, he was just kind of thanking the fans and stuff, and somebody threw him something like Wolverine-related. You're like, oh yeah, that's the same dude. Because he did such a great job, Um, and I-, I love Sutton Foster, but she has a dancing and singing background for sure, and she's a little bit lesser known. But um, I'm sure a ton of people went to Music Man because of Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster.
2: Kiki, here's my question to you. Uh, it's a yay or nay, and for the people who don't know who she is, I will explain, but uh, Leah Michelle stunt casting or no?
3: Absolutely. Ugh.
2: <laughs> okay. I,
0: I have so Are much you talking about Funny girl. No. Yeah.
2: So yes. for those who don't know, Leah Michelle was uh, was is an actress. She actually got her start on Broadway. So she is a Broadway star. First, she she got her start playing in Spring Awakening uh, opposite Jonathan Groff, who uh, she also co-starred with in a TV show called Glee, and that's where most people know her from, is Glee. And in Glee, she was frequently singing songs from a play called Funny Girl. It was her character's favorite show, and her character's dream to be in Funny Girl on Broadway. Well, now, Leah Michelle has been cast in Funny Girl on Broadway, and its it's really quite... Quite funny and meta in some ways.
1: Leah Michelle's a mean girl, right? Is that what I hear from the show Glee? Uh, that, like a real life mean girl. There's some that is what of I that. hear. That is what I hear.
0: Isn't one of the Stranger Things kids in a show right now?
1: Yeah, he is.
2: Uh, yes,
3: Gatton Matarazzo is in Dear Evan Hansen. He's currently playing Jared, and he was also a stunt cast that didn't work as well as they hoped because they announced him and then a week later announced the show was closing. Oh gosh. <laughs>
2: I didn't know that Dear Evan Hansen was closing, or maybe Mm -hmm. I did and I just forgot, but... um,
0: Oh, what's happening with Beetlejuice? Why is it closing?
3: Beetlejuice has a sordid history. Basically, it's closing because, or this time it's closing because I think the cost of putting it up in the marquee theater is just too much. Last time it closed for other reasons. Basically, long story short... The Schubert organization used an out clause based on a very early performance before it got popular to shut it down so they could bring Music Man in, even though Beetlejuice was doing incredibly well when they shut it down, which is why it closed and then reopened.
2: (laughs) I'm going to just hotline a couple of uh, a couple of other examples of stunt casting so we can get moving. Um, Examples of stunt casting include Brendan Urie and Kinky Boots. I don't know who that is. Panic at the Disco lead singer. Uh-huh. Okay. Cameron Dallas in Mean Girls. I don't know who that is.
3: Famous YouTuber.
2: Uh-huh. See? Keke. Okay. Reba McIntyre in Annie Get Your Gun. Well, Reba if that K-k. isn't a boot that fits, I don't know what is. Corbin Blue in In the Heights. Corbin Blue would, of course, be a Disney yeah. Channel star Child from star. back in the day. He was in High School Musical. He was also in a lesser-known Disney movie called what was that movie where he played like a jump rope kid? It was
3: either jump in or push it.
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> both titles work. Uh, and then Colleen Ballinger, Tadra Call, I assume, and Al Roker were all in Waitress. Uh, Al Roker, to, yeah. Not to mention, not to mention um, Sarah Bareilles, who, granted, wrote the soundtrack, but not known for Broadway shows before she jumped into that role. And then for a while there, Sarah Bareilles was playing opposite Jason M- Mraz.
0: Mraz, yeah. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Craig was recently in something, or still is, like. Macbeth, or something like that.
2: And finally, you already mentioned Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster in Music Man, but the ultimate example of stunt casting, when Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster leave in 2023, they're just shutting down the show because they don't want to recast it because basically they did it because they could get Hugh Jackman and Sutton
1: Foster to do the roles, so... What I want to know if they had stunt casting for Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark, which had a lot of stunts in the show. It's like <laughs> stunt du- stunt. double stunt casting. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's let's go into more uh, about musicals, about plays, about Broadway, and the finance part of it. And you know, it it's a great idea. It costs a lot of money to do this. There's a lot of upfront cost, um, usually millions three to five million for plays, ten to twelve million for musicals. You've got to have investors to make sure this happens. And, you know, Keiki mentioned a little bit of there can be so many different clauses, so many different reasons why things work or don't work. But I think this is a great time to kind of, Keiki, you tell a little bit about what you're currently doing in New York in regards to plays and getting yourself out there.
3: Yeah, uh, so I am currently trying to produce my full-length play or I hope it will be successful. It opens in three weeks. So hopefully I have successfully done it. But So that required me to kind of on a way lesser extent, I did a GoFundMe to get producers, quote unquote, aka friends and family, to donate to the show for some of these costs, such as costumes, set, paying my actors. You have to rent the theater space. You have to pay people to run your lights and your sound cues and all of that jazz and you also have to pay marketing costs you have to advertise so a lot of money goes into even really really small shows
0: and so tell us a little bit about your show
3: okay (laughs) uh so the show is called watch me it is a dystopian future show about three kids who are living in a facility where they are constantly being monitored at all times and they've lived there their whole lives and they don't know anything different And then a new person enters the facility, which has never happened before, and chaos ensues.
0: Oh, it sounds interesting. First off, have you gotten all the funding you need? Yes. Perfect. You must have some great family and friends to help out.
2: Well, actually, Katie... I can tell you from, like, just from my own personal perspective that Keiki's mom and I had absolutely nothing to do with her fundraising success for this particular show. We didn't pitch in anything. Some of Keiki's other family did pitch in, but... Keiki, a lot of your friends and a lot of your peers actually pitched in on this, didn't they?
3: Yeah, this was in large part crowdfunded by my friends and people who have seen the show and who know me and are my age.
2: So that's pretty impressive because we're not talking about, you know, $50,000 or something, but you raised a pretty good amount in a relatively short amount of time just based on your your friends, didn't you? Yeah. So how much was it?
3: Uh, we raised about $4,000 in a week.
2: 4000 4, in a week. <laughs> Okay, well, that's actually news to me because I didn't realize it was that much, and I didn't realize you did it that quickly. Okay, so we gotta, you know, obviously we gotta give the details. I mean, you know, if you're gonna be on the show, we might as well go ahead and let people know where and when and how they can actually see this. But I mean, $4,000,
1: I don't think that's getting you a theater on Broadway, right?
3: Unfortunately, no, not okay. at this so point.
1: We've talked about these massive theaters so far in this episode and the first Broadway episode. Uh, Keiki, like, how big of a theater are we talking? How many a- attendees, how many guests can sit in a theater like this?
3: Yeah, so this is gonna be at a theater called Teasher which seats about 75 it's in the west village area if you know new york so it's a much smaller space it's very personal my actors won't be miked and they won't need to be for you to hear them
2: okay I love that. say it again teatro
3: latea l-a-t-e-a
2: can anybody see this? Is it going to be online or is it just going to be live performance?
3: It's just going to be live performances. But if you're in New York, you can purchase tickets for the three dates. It's October 10th at 6.15 p.m., October 14th at 9 p.m., and October 16th at 3.30 p.m.
2: How can you purchase tickets?
3: If you go to NewYorkTheaterFestival.com slash me, oh. or if you go to watchmenyc.com, which is a website my lovely brother made for me. Oh,
2: cool. Well, thank you, William. Um, Okay, so you actually answered my other question. I wasn't sure if this was something where you were just, you had found like a black box that you could rent some space and you were putting this on yourself or if it was a festival. But you said it's New York Festival, is that right?
3: It's New York Theater Festival's Winterfest. Cool.
0: Walk us through if this is successful, which I hope it is, that when this runs, what would kind of be the next thing?
3: Yeah, so the big thing with all of these shows is you kind of have to throw them out into the ether and just hope the right people see them, because you're always trying to get it to a bigger audience, a bigger theater, another group, into a better workshop, et cetera, et cetera. So you put them on, and a lot of people living in New York, their entire job is to just go see shows and see if that show would work for their theater. So they'll go see your show and if they're like, hey, this could work for our theater, you get in contact with them and then you could potentially get your show put on at a bigger theater and you just kind of keep making little steps up until you hopefully eventually reach Broadway. But that's not always the case. A lot of the action happens off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway. That's where a lot of the creative juices are flowing and new works are being made. But the goal is always to get it as far as it can go.
1: You should stunt cast Millie Bobby Brown. I feel like she'd be a good fit. (laughs)
3: If I could get Millie Bobby Brown,
0: I would. <laughs> I mean, I bet that's one of those that obviously you you can't afford someone like Millie Bobby Brown to come and be a part of your show. But I would think that the situation you're in, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is you as yourself, you were trying to get this out there. You're trying to show your work. But then you're also having to find people that you're going to take a chance on, trusting that person to do your lighting, trusting that person, that actor who's trying to make their business. break as well so it's really a bunch of you all together trying to collaborate and make it work stop
2: collaborate and listen
0: it's like that for me all the way up to like the broadway
3: shows oftentimes like funny girl for example it has a really cool underdog story the understudy for funny girl julie benko was practically unknown she had understudied in other shows but she hadn't ever really made a name for herself and there was a gap of time between when beanie feldstein who first played the lead left and when leah michelle was joining that julie benko took over and that was a decent risk for the producers for everyone involved in the show because they had to trust her to lead this show and make it as fantastic as they have been promoting it for years and also funny girl was kind of not doing well before her so she kind of had to pull it out of the despair it was in so yeah that's a really big thing in theater is everyone has to trust each other everyone has to take chances on each other and it's very collaborative and very much like we're all in this together in the words of Corbin Blue
0: (laughs) well and I think so much of it whether it's you know talking about your particular situation with theater but really anything in life um you know We don't try and be a self-help podcast, but we also try and make sure we're giving knowledge to people and especially like your age group of what the message I get from that is taking opportunities and you never know when that next thing can show up. So don't give up on your dreams. If your dream is to be leading actor on Broadway or to have your play starting on Broadway, because I'd love to be able to have the whole Pickler team fly out to New York to uh, see your big play debut on Broadway. But it's one of those that you didn't get there because... You just got lucky. You spent a lot of time. You kept looking for opportunities. You pivoted. The, honestly, you pivot with whatever life pivot. throws you way.
2: Yeah, there's one thing you'll never be able to say about Keiki, and that is you'll never be able to say she doesn't hustle a lot. She is out there hustling all the time.
3: Well, thank you.
2: <laughs> Our
1: hustling show space girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the spaces are very important. <laughs> You know, when people go to a Broadway show, they're thinking, oh, these tickets are expensive. But they're not thinking of what that ticket goes towards. If it's associated with a bigger thing like a Disney, they've got to pay um, the rights to have the show. You've got to pay your actors. You've got to pay the the costume designers, the lighting, the ushers, the concession stand, the, the theater cost, everything. And so that one ticket that each patron is paying is helping to pay everyone. And I've noticed that if you're not a big theater goer, how I feel like a lot of the actors are very humble and very appreciative of the people that are showing up because it's not like a movie that, yeah, they want you to go and see their movie, but you're not getting to see them. When you're at a show, they're truly thanking you for coming because you're helping keep the lights on. You're helping keep the show going.
3: Yeah, exactly. And there's also, on the point of tickets being expensive or not expensive, I think that a lot of people get this idea that when you go to Broadway, you're paying a premium for better quality stuff. And that is sometimes somewhat true, but I think that can be a misconception because some of the best works I've seen I paid $20, it was off-Broadway, it was a young person just trying to get their show out there, and they just happened to find young starlets who were, like, it's, it's like being in a room with someone that you know is about to be huge. So the cost of the ticket does not always equal quality of the show. It can. In certain cases, it certainly does, but cost of tickets can also be determined by things like how much has this show blown up? So for Hamilton, for example, uh, those tickets are that expensive because Hamilton is Hamilton. And uh, the quality oh, of the show didn't increase with the ticket price. It did, increased with the amount of power the show got in the world.
2: Are the tickets for Hamilton, I know I know that f- for a while there were headlines, Hamilton is the most expensive show on Broadway. Are they still as high as they were?
3: I do believe they are still... Outrageously expensive. I that's, have not checked.
1: That is a shame. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am convinced that with how expensive a cocktail is at a Broadway show, it should single handedly <laughs> pay for the entire production multiple times over. I'm still salty about how expensive that Lion King cocktail was.
3: Oh, Lion King charges extra too because they know you're there with your kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's they know the system, but the thing is also, I think we want to remember, um, and I'm especially reminded of it. Here at Pickler, we support the arts. We're very big into it, and because so many people think, "Oh, I don't want to go to the theater," but I don't think a lot of people that are not in that world realize. And Court, you kind of alluded to this. There are a lot of big names that got started on Broadway, and if they think about it, if they had never had something like Broadway to go on. There wouldn't have been anybody who would have discovered them. They would never have been Wolverine. They never would have been in these big movies, and so. People say, oh, I'm a movie person. I love movies. I don't like plays. But really, for a lot of actors, if you don't have the plays, you don't have your school education musicals and plays, you don't have these movie actors.
2: One of my favorite uh, movie stars, Anna Kendrick, got her start on Broadway. She, she was like 12 when she got her first big role on Broadway. So, yeah, I mean, th- that's just one example. Um, there are big Broadway stars. There are people that are very, very well known, even outside of theater lover community. But the the main reason that they're known is because of their stints on Broadway. Mm-hmm. There are a couple examples of that. Of course, you know, you've got some big some big old names that that pretty much everybody recognizes and
3: Patty Lapone.
2: Yeah, Patty Lapone is a perfect example. Big, big, big Broadway star, mostly known for Broadway shows. She has done some movies, but she's mostly known for her Broadway shows and she's uh, and everybody knows who Patty Lapone is.
1: And Gaten Matarazzo, who we mentioned earlier in the show, got his start On Les Mis, I believe, before Stranger Things fame. He was Mm. a little child, Broadway. Gavrock! Was he Gavroch? Yeah. Gavroche? All I know is the picture. He looked like a little homeless child.
2: So. Yeah,
0: that
1: was probably Gavroche.
0: Wasn't Michael Crawford like a big name for Phantom?
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody knew who Michael yeah. Crawford was. Yeah, um, the first
0: Phantom. And there's also Adina Menzel. Yeah. yeah. Biggest, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Biggest
3: <laughs>
2: example. Not only Adina Menzel, but also from Wicked, but not necessarily just known for Wicked, Christian Chinwith. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. people know who she is. Um, or at least if they see her, they recognize her and go, gee, where do I know her from? Even if they <laughs> don't know her name.
0: But that kind of goes to the whole bigger thing of when did you become a fan of somebody? Because everybody hits in different cycles, whether they became a fan when they were on Broadway, if they watched a TV show, a movie, something like that. But kind of wrapping this up, did I hear correctly? But Kiki, have you not also uh, moonlighted a little bit with ushering with some plays?
3: Oh yes. I usher at the New York City Ballet. Oh okay. Which is the same world. I'm in the same union as the Ushers on Broadway because we have a union called IOTC, um, and I don't remember the acronym, but basically it's for any technical workers in theater and ushers are part of that and it's very interesting to work in. But I work at the David H. Koch Theater in Lincoln Center at the New for the New York City Ballet and any other performance that goes on at that theater which concedes I think it's between six and 10,000 people a show. So it's
0: it's definitely it's a well-winded yeah. It's That's rather th- large. That is
2: a big, big, big theater.
0: <laughs> it's one of the biggest theaters I've ever been in. The Broadway industry supports over 97,000 jobs and contributes $14.7 in local economic impact. And yeah, so I
2: mean, when you consider all the, the, the visitors that it draws to New York every year, people that are just going to New York just for Broadway, I'll go to New York and not see a single Broadway show. Then there are people that will go to New York and do nothing but see Broadway shows.
0: I mean, so, when I was there for 24 hours, I saw two shows, so...
1: <laughs> Kiki, I was going to ask you, this is probably a tough question. For those who have never seen a Broadway show in their life, if they were to be in New York City for one evening, what one show would you recommend? Like, what's a good gateway Broadway show for them to enter into the world? Gateway drug. That, yep.
3: This is a tough question. It depends on who the person is. If it's uh, someone with young kids, I always suggest Lion King. Mm-hmm. I, it's a little cheesy. Some people scoff at it, but I saw it twice as an adult on Broadway and absolutely loved it. It is a phenomenal show. It's beautiful. I will go see it again if I get the chance. So if you have kids or if you're just like a really big Disney fan, Lion King is the way to go. That show if makes me cry. I, me too. It, it, especially the uh, He Lives in You.
1: Oh, is, oh, man. Yeah.
3: Every time. If you're in my age group, like 20s, and you want to have a fun night out on the town and see a show, then I would say something like Six the Musical or Moulin Rouge. Those are a little more... They're kind of mainstream in terms of they're going to feel less classical Broadway, more I could hear the song on the radio and not know that it was from a musical, uh, especially with Moulin Rouge, because that is a jukebox. So it has it has like Adele in it. It's Mm -hmm. literally got radio songs in it. But those two are good for like my age group, especially if they're just getting into it. It's great to like give them something they know and then pull them in. And then if you're a little bit older and you grew up a theater fan, listen to musicals, but you've never been able to go to New York and see one, I'm always going to say a classic. Phantom, while it's still open, I got a ticket for $40, and every penny was worth watching that chandelier drop. (laughs) Uh, And then some of the other big... Chicago's always good. There's a couple others that are just always on they're they're closing now, so it's kind of ruining my suggestion list, but these are great uh, suggestions yeah, though.
2: Well I mean if you got the money, you can go see Hamilton. That's still one of the great shows. I guess just based on the music of Hamilton, it's not really along the lines of your classic Broadway show, but it is a it is a phenomenal show. We got two topics that we didn't cover here. We have a chart here that I just wanted to run down real quick. This is the average weekly overhead cost for a Broadway musical. So this is what they spend weekly to run a broadway show so this probably pitches in on those ticket prices like we were talking about salaries 174,150 theater expenses rental of the theater and uh, the theater space and we're going to get into that too uh 154,000 advertising 129,000 general and administrative costs 83,000 theater rent okay so theater expenses didn't even cover rent (laughs) rent 38,700 rentals uh, that would, I guess would be like equipment and stuff that you have to rent thirty two thousand two hundred and fifty departmental expenses and guaranteed minimum royalties each cost $16,125. One of the the interesting things about rent is the fact that, according to this, there are three companies that own 31 of the 41 theaters on Broadway. So there's definitely sort of a, uh, a monopoly of Broadway theater owners that are probably taking a chunk, because if you've got a monopoly, you can certainly raise those prices, and that probably kicks up the rent and the, the money that it costs to, to produce the show as well. So it's it sort of makes sense why all those Broadway shows are so expensive. But Keiki, last thing, and then we're going to go tell a person how they can save some money and still go see a good show. What are your favorite strategies for that?
3: This is my favorite topic, because I am broke and I love Broadway. So there are three methods of saving money on tickets that are easy peasy, lemon squeezy. The first is entering the lottery. This is how you're going to get your cheapest tickets. Most lotteries are digital. You can literally Google Broadway lottery, and pages will come up saying you can enter the lottery for XYZ shows. If you have a specific show you want to see, say, Hamilton, you can search Hamilton Broadway Lottery. Uh, typically, lotteries open 48 hours before the show date that you're trying to see the show and close 24 hours before the date you're trying to see the show. And it's not a guarantee that you will get a ticket, so it's kind of a risky game to play. But if you do get a ticket, for example, for Hamilton, your ticket will be $10, and it will be a very good beat. I've won a few Broadway lotteries. It's always super fun. If you want a little less of a risk, but still some risk, involved you can either rush a show or go to the tkts booth rushing a show is going to be your next cheapest option and that is when you show up at the theater at 9 a.m or earlier depending on how popular the show is and you stand outside and wait for the box office to open and when the box office opens you walk in and they have set aside a certain number of tickets that are cheaper they'll usually publicize on the website how much they cost i've never paid more than 40 dollars for a rush ticket but um you get a cheaper seat because you showed up day of and waited outside in the lovely New York weather to get your <laughs> ticket. And then if none of that works, you can go to TKTS, which is the booth in Times Square. It's under the red steps that are very popular. And they have half price tickets to many shows, not all of them. Some shows will never show up on there, like Wicked or Lion King. There are certain shows that just they are too popular for TKTS to really get them right now um you can also look up the tkts booth online to see what is on there what shows you have a chance of seeing when i do tkts i pick two or three shows that i'm interested in that way because when you get up there you you get up to one counter after waiting in line for an hour and you say i want to see hamilton and if there's no tickets for hamilton you got to think fast because you got to have your next show ready to go unless you only want to see a specific show but I typically have three or four and we do like a countdown list of, okay, if we don't get this, we'll go to this. But yeah, those are the three easiest ways to get cheap tickets. There are sometimes resale tickets can be pretty cheap, especially if you can wait until like a couple hours before the show starts, because that's when people who have tickets that they don't want anymore get just a little bit desperate. But I think that the first three methods are safer because they're actually like sponsored by the companies, the theaters, whereas resale you can get into some murky waters with like whether or not your ticket is actually real. So those are
0: all the methods I've used. Cool, cool. I mean, those are great because I think it's helping people that you don't have to break the bank, but you can get introduced to some great Broadway, break, break musicals and plays.
3: I forgot to mention one more thing. If you are under 30 years old, a lot of theaters are a part of this thing called 30 Under 30, wherein if you're 30 years old or younger, you can get a $30 ticket to a show. It's not every show. It's not, a a bunch of Broadway shows don't do it, but I have definitely seen Broadway shows that do it. And it's like, I've seen 1776 with the 30 under 30 deal. You
0: better take advantage of that before you turn 30. (laughs) I know.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much, Keiki. Thanks for coming on the show, for giving us some of your expertise. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me also just say that Keiki got quite salty with us when we did a Broadway show and didn't include her. So it's not like we didn't have our arms twisted a little bit here. She may have given me evidence of the previous time that she was on the show. She may have given me like minute and second evidence that I could go to that particular podcast and look up where she said, if you ever do a Broadway show, you better call me. So (laughs) we had to call her in for a second and we were gonna call this one the, Bake. what are we calling this one?
0: Bullcast Does Broadway, The Revival.
2: The Revival. I
0: like it, yeah. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear some more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have us beam directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, and Cameron, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can read our bios, you can leave a comment, you can suggest a topic if there's something you'd like to hear about, or hey, even drop us a note if you want to be a guest on Bullcast Podcast. Also, if you like pictures, boy, do we have the pictures. And (laughs) since Nicole came on, it seems like we get more and more pictures of us on Instagram. So, uh, you can find us on our Instagram handle, at Bullcast Podcast, and we also have the words on Twitter, that's at Bullcast Podcast as well. Finally, if you'd like to find out more about the real Katie, the real Court, and the real Cameron and what we do for a real living. You've heard us mention that we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out what we do there, find out about our amazing team, and find out about our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's Advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you everything you need to survive in this world and to survive on Broadway. So for now, I'm Court.
0: I'm Katie.
2: I'm Cam. And we out.